Welcome back, Big Fact Freaks and No Cap Chaps, to another episode of Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with people who say doggo and people who frequent Mar-a-Lago. I'm Adrian, as always, here with my co-host Paul. Let's get big facted. Let's get no capping. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. You know, usually the intros we do are jokes, but I think we are number one with people who frequent Mar-a-Lago. I think Jared Kushner loves the pod. Is that, is Mar-a-Lago still popping these days? Is it that where Trump lives now? Doesn't he live in Mar-a-Lago? I guess so. Isn't, um... What is it, a golf resort? Or is it just like a general resort? I think it's like, yeah, it's like a golf course slash hotel. So yeah, resort. When we start a Patreon, can one of our goals be like, if we get to a thousand a month, we'll go to Mar-a-Lago <laughs> to record an episode? That would actually or just be Adrian so and Paul, tight. Like, uh, uh, like a Adrian Mar-a-Lago and Paul just take vlog. a vacation together to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Clearly, we're not getting successful anytime soon. So I think that'll be like a good enough time away that it won't be considered problematic to give us some tiny amount of money to Donald Trump. Like it'll be like that will a be funny throwback to bring him up. That's that's on the timeline for when most mainstream liberals will have rehabilitated Trump. Yeah. So I think we'll uh we'll be good. When the reanimated corpse of Ronald Reagan is running the country and most liberals <laughs> are like, we need a return to decency like during the Trump presidency before we had zombies as president. When Trump really gets into sculpting after his presidency and Ellen brings him on the show to show his favorite sculptures. <laughs> but anyways, um, let's not start off negative because we're trying to be positive. We today. are. We're talking about how we've reformed, how we've re- rehabilitated, how we've taken time to uh, look inside ourselves and grow as people about opinions we may have been wrong about in the past. Yep. And this is why our theme today is the redemption arc. No, it's it's Pets 2. It's Pets 2 Electric Boogaloo, Adrian. We're, we're coming back. The secret life of Pets 2. But it is a bit of a redemption arc because famously a lot of people we know, in fact, I think we, we sort of foresaw the criticism uh, coming when we made our first Pets episode. People love pets. They love their dog. They love their cats. Me and you are one of the few hesitant pet owners, I would say. Or hesitant mm-hmm. to the idea of whether or not a pet is worth it when you like square up all the pros and cons. Of course, the pros being they're kind of fun to play with sometimes and they're cute, and the cons being a massive list of bullshit you have to deal with and pay for. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and you, I think we both acknowledge that the pros are pros, but we just think that the like the math for the cons just really outweighs it way more than people are willing to admit or recognize. Um, I think it's something that is just so embedded in our culture that like when I was looking for articles today, like the exact sentiment of when someone's a stable adult human and they don't have a pet that weirds me out like that's you know, that that's the sentiment is like it's that's the standard. Yeah, it, it, it's wild because it's just like once again, to me, it seems so clear that having a dog is it feels like a real well, thing. We we're being positive today. What? I thought we were being positive today. We're talking about how we've changed. You know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. Redemption arc. Redemption arc. We're loving dogs. Um, we love dogs now. That said, I am going to give a quick shout out to Amelia's mom. Uh, I've only clowned on her before, but I'm bringing her in as uh, I think one of 
the real thought leaders in this country. Wait, because wait. last time I was in a meeting, thought T H O U G H T or T H O T. Context clues. <laughs> Context clues, Paul. Um, the last time I was hanging out with Amelia, she mentioned that uh, she's not able to fly out of L.A. and stay with her parents before she moves to Scotland because her mom does not allow her to come with her dog, which she's bringing to Scotland with her. Um, and that's when she let me know that, like, when she first got the dog, she was like, oh, so I guess you're not going to visit the house anymore because there's a zero tol- tolerance like policy rule for having dogs in her house. And it's not even an allergy thing. She just doesn't want dogs in her house. And I was like, honestly, like role model, like <laughs> as someone who just had to like take on the bullshit of my sister coming down to visit with her dog and like trying to pawn it off onto my roommate of being like, oh, my dog's afraid or my, my roommate's afraid of dogs. Maybe that's not a good idea. And then him being too nice and being like, she can bring her dog if she wants. And I was like, God damn it. I needed I needed a good solid reason to be like, don't bring your fucking dog. <laughs> The, the strength and courage that Amelia's mom has to just shut down a daughter that she loves with a dog that she loves saying, nope, not allowed. It's inspirational, honestly. I think that's she's a role model. Shout out to Amelia's mom. She was telling me about it, like kind of sad about it. And I was like, dude, your mom's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like she's she fucking. Now, somebody you. said you can't bring your ferrets. That person is problematic, a gaslighter and maybe even a crypto fascist. Not even crypto. Paul, you have a cat in your house every now and then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leia has a cat. It visits me. It's uh, it's one of the dumbest cats I've ever seen. You know how cats, it's like sometimes they'll do something. You'll be like, holy shit, like, that's really impressive. Like, I didn't expect it to be able to make that jump or mm. land so, like... Gracefully? So gracefully or to do, like, that really great piece of gymnastics it just pulled off. I didn't, I, I didn't expect to walk into my room and then see the uh, math problem that I had written on my whiteboard completely solved by cat. <laughs> and the little paw print signature <laughs> at the bottom right. Cat, um, that wasn't your homework. That was an unsolved problem of mathematics that you get a Nobel for. <laughs> but this cat is the one cat where I've seen, like, eye up a sort of jump, try the jump, and just fail and smack its mm. face and then fall on the floor. It's the only clumsy cat I've ever seen. Damn. I've seen this cat trip and fall so many times. Do you think it has, like, a, a spatial just... reasoning, like, uh, disability? I don't know if it's that far, but there, I've seen it, yeah, maybe a little bit. Mm. I've just never seen a clumsy cat before. That feels like such a uniquely this cat thing. Every other cat, I've been impressed by their... <laughs> agility and jumping and climbing ability than this cat i'm just like every time i see it about to go for a jump i watch because it's gonna miss and that's the kind of entertainment that pets provide <laughs> that is true that is true anything else adrian no pets? no i mean i think i think i said i'm trying to be positive so i don't have much to say and i kind of said my piece in the last episode <laughs> about everything i had to complain about um my mama always said if you don't have something good to say about pets don't say anything at all we can paul do you want to head into articles you want to talk about anything else anything else going on with you no, that's about it. All right, dang. Short intro for once. I think uh, it seems like some people are taking critiques that they got from other people. Look at us. By the way, none of that was improv. We wrote out that entire script of what we just said for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> could you imagine how much time it would take to write out this bullshit? I think if you had like an AI, you could probably do it. But like, yeah, like this is one of those things where the imperfections are hard to replicate uh, yeah, on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said... I did not take the criticism of uh, stealing comedy bang bang jokes because that's a comedy bang bang joke. <laughs> I think this, you know, we're technically we're taking the critique even if we do it a little bit later in the episode and the people would probably want it. This is Paul and Adrian. This is Big Facts No Cap, the show where we read advice columns and give our hot takes on them. Uh, and then we do it with a thematic component. And today's episode is all about pets. 
So mm-hmm. now that we've established that and you know where we're going, you're going to get on this bus and go with us. So, Paul, where are we headed? What's the first stop? Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, I'll do I'll do my column first then. So I'm I'm doing a column from Cleveland.com. It's actually one of those columns that gets distributed to a lot of different publications. So this one specifically, it is uh, Dear Dog Lady written by uh, Monica Collo- Collins. Um, and sorry, ask dog lady. They just start the question with dear do- dog lady. All right. So Paul, dear dog lady. Is there any yeah. connotation to dog lady in the same way that there is for cat lady and the way that people have like uh, millennials and Gen Zers have like tried to co-op cat lady as like a an aspirational thing? Uh, maybe a dog lady is a little bit. Not really. It's not as, uh, Stigmatized. as meaningful. Oh, we're just even yeah, like mean. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really mean the same thing at all. Anyways. But it's not like as meaningful in any direction. But I would think of a dog lady as somebody who's half dog, half lady. <laughs> is a superhero called Dog Lady, <laughs> where she was bitten by a radioactive dog and now has the power of uh, I smell crime. I'd read that series. Okay, dear Dog Lady, you ran the most fascinating question from a woman who believed she didn't get a job because she told her potential employer that she knitted her vest at the job interview from her dog's own hair. Doesn't the judgmental employer know anything about where clothing comes from? As a knitter and spinner, I've spun all kinds of fibers. Angora from Bunny. Wait, there's there's already too much. There's like, <laughs> there you, you didn't you didn't want to pause after you said the thing about her knitting a sweater from her dog's hair. It's so short. I could finish it, and you could give us all your ideas. You didn't, you didn't want. I've, I've read half of it. You didn't. I've read. You half didn't want to stop it. after she called herself a knitter and spinner. <laughs> All right, keep going, whatever. Let's just ignore yeah, all that Adrian, Adrian, it's nitta to you, okay? No hard R, buddy. As a knitter and spinner, I've spun all kinds of fibers. Angora from bunnies, wool from alpaca, lamb, yak, sheep, mohair from goats, and even the soft undercoat from two sheepdogs. Everyone knows leather comes from cows. The job applicant showed her talent and creativity by designing a garment and making it from raw fiber. The potential employer missed out on knowing someone cool. Signed, Treva. I actually like that you're doing the response to the original question, because I do like that we're framing this as someone saying like, hey, you know, obviously at first this seems weird, but take a step back and, you know, get out of your mindset of what's considered acceptable and, you know, deconstruct everything to a point where it's like, oh, yeah, that's the same thing as making a sweater out of your own hair. It's just fibers. I think if somebody made a sweater out of their own hair, that would definitely be a psychopath and I would be completely worried to hire that person. That was kind of my immediate point of like argument against this person is like, I don't know, man, there's still something kind of weird about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think it's a narcissism of feeling like you're a dog. It just feels like why? Why is the biggest question? What what, what clearly cotton is a more comfortable fabric than like dog fur? It depends on what kind of dog. I guess it does depend on what kind of dog. If it, if it is one of those Tibetan mastiffs, maybe that is just like sheep. Maybe that is just like a sheep's wool, like a wool sweater. But again, why does, why, why does it have to be your dog? It, yeah, there's something weird about it being her dog. <laughs> yeah. But you're, I mean, logically, I can't really put my finger on it. So it does make me feel like I'm probably wrong and being close-minded. Right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, well, it's it's two-sided. It's one of like, yeah, I think they're making good, a good point, but two maybe they're being overly reductionist in the way that they're explaining these things where they're taking out all the nuance of just 
I mean, why why an animal in your house? Do you need to like, collect its fibers to make a? I think a, that's the creepy part. Is she making her dog bald on a weekly basis, like letting it grow out and then completely balding it, or is she like collecting what falls off of it? Like, what's the situation? And how do you how do you take strands? Like, I guess with sheep, I don't even know how it's done. Like, how you weave all that like wool together to make like strands of fiber. And with a dog, it's like, even if it's really hairy, that sounds really hard because there's so much tinier strands. How do you make that into fiber? Honestly, I'm just mystified by people a thousand years ago who were able to weave things together. (laughs) Honestly, that's my takeaway. (laughs) How does a spider do it? You you know, a spider's web is stronger than uh, Hulk Hogan, so. It's probably true. Hogan's getting old. Spiders are getting stronger. (laughs) I think that makes sense. Um, I don't know. Is this kind of like that uh, that whole thing about um, the like joke about like, you know, if you could go back in time, what would you teach all those like primitive people? And it's like, I don't even know how to knit. So like, I wouldn't even know how to teach them how to how to make a sweater. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how to make yeah. an iPhone. <laughs> for, for, for what their circumstances are and what they have available to them, they would definitely have to teach me shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know what people think. Like, I'm going to go back and be like, okay, so a computer, it's like this crazy, like, you, you need to make the picture on the rock. And then you can, like, text people with it. Can y'all make that? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You're welcome. I'm out of (laughs) here. Buy Bitcoin. (laughs) Invest in Bitcoin. Invest in Bitcoin. Paul, Paul, uh, let's let's focus back in on the on the on the question of yeah. Um, so what's up with uh? She's also made stuff out of bunny hair. This is the question asker, right? Not the person who's asking about the. Yeah, yeah. The question this the, this question asker has made stuff out of bunny hair and is saying so. Why couldn't you hire someone who's made things out of their dog's hair? That's also kind of weird. If you make if you make something out of your pet rabbit's hair, unless she's talking about she's getting like industrial pet. Well, she had a name for it. It's called Angora. So Angora fiber is the uh, produced by an Angora rabbit. So that's a thing. That's just like a type of wool you can buy. Okay. Okay. You know what? Going back to our whole vegan conversation, maybe this is one of those things where people are rightly pointing out that um, I can go to the store and get pre-cut chicken and have no qualms about it. But if I had to kill my own chicken, I mean, I'd probably be fine with that. But the whole gist of that, like having to uh oh yeah don't you d- dislike the, the there's too many wild chickens in davis and they're kind of big and they scare you no those are turkeys turkeys they are big and they they're are big. scary would you um, kill them i think i brought this up when i said it that there was like some proposal to like allow bow hunting of the turkeys to get rid of them just not like actually shooting the turkeys and that sounds kind of that sounds kind of cool that sounds kind of i would i would fly out to go bow hunting <laughs> turkeys <with you. laughs> I, I, w- I would bring my brother-in-law and we would have a great time <laughs> um yeah no so yeah it, like again i think i'm just i can't tell if i need to get out of this mindset or the other thing is as always like even if you think it's cool and you think it's dope it's a job interview like why during this thing yeah. where you have a very small amount of time to make a first impression i guess that means that she not only thinks it's normal but actively thinks it's like a spe- spectacular thing like when they're yeah, like, I'm, you know, I mean, that's the obvious answer. I didn't want to just go for that because it's like that's not getting to the heart of like whether or not it's like a good thing to do. But yeah, the obvious answer is not during an interview. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Keep that shit at home. I mean, there's nothing morally wrong with a jersey, but you wouldn't wear it to an interview. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unless you were like interviewing for a coaching job. <laughs> wait you would wear your like you would you would buy a jersey for the team or you would wear the jersey for your last team to prove that you really worked there you know now that you say it neither of those scenarios make any sense so (laughs) i think you'd wear a suit and tie but you know what i mean you know what i mean 
Maybe she thought it was like a conversation starter. Like uh, she's, mm. she thought it was like a statement necklace, like something that they could like hone on on and compliment, which would get the conversation rolling. And she just really over aimed with her pet do you think dog it, sweater. How do you think it got brought up? Because do you think it actually looked good or do you think it looked unique? And that's why they asked her about it. Like, hey, that's an interesting sweater that looks weird and rough and <laughs> very homemade. <laughs> why am I sneezing? I, I, like, the only thing I'm allergic to is dogs. Also, we didn't talk about that. A lot of people are allergic to dogs. It's kind of an interesting choice to make your sweater out of a f- fabric that's going to cause so many people issue. Well, it's the dander from the pet, not the hairs themselves. So I think maybe if you made the sweater and then like washed it once or twice, I think you'd actually be okay. 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 Walking around with it. That just shows my ignorance. Well, I have to look this up because, you know. Ugh. 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 Sometimes, uh... (laughs) actually, it's not a super huge inconvenience. I mean, when I stayed with my brother, I had to take like a lot of Zyrtec throughout the day. And then one time I had to leave a party early because... Uh, I was in a house with a dog in it and like I got super red and itchy all over my face and was like, well, this ain't good vibes. I'm gonna see you guys later. <laughs> because that girl rejected you and that's the excuse you made up to not feel embarrassed. Shut up, Paul. <laughs> it was the dog, man. It was the fucking dog, man. Yeah, Adrian, it was the dog. You're right. I got you, buddy. Thanks, man. It's just like, don't agree to like go outside and sit under a blanket with somebody and have a, like a chat about life if you're not going to say yes to being asked out afterward. You know what I mean? <laughs> wait what was the point of bringing that up oh yeah yeah so dogs and allergies and all yeah i don't think that's a concern um i think is is this a common thing about people who make fun of people who like match their dogs wait people match their dogs yeah like there'll be like it's a dog owner who like dresses in the way that makes them match their dogs or like they'll do their hair in a way that kind of makes it seem like they have the same hair as their dog or uh or just in general like you know like when you can kind of kind of get a vibe of like oh that kind of looks like what that dog would look like if they were a person hmm. i don't know this seems like a weird way for her to try and match with her dog is to just cover herself in, <laughs> in a fursuit wait where are we even in this question oh okay yeah paul so l- let's do this very directly like you're, you're interviewing somebody to work at our podcast um in our family in our podcast family Paul and Adrian, we make it to, you know, 20 subscribers on Patreon. So we hire an, uh, an attorney um, or whatever the first hire we do is. We hire a secretary, um, someone to go get his coffee. They, they show up to the interview with, with a vest made out of their own dog hair. Is that a, is that a deal breaker? Uh, you know, no, because I assume the person we would actually be hiring would be an editor. And I feel like mm. that's a creative position. I, I I would be like, oh, they're quirky, and that that makes them good at using audacity and editing audio. That's the kind of quirk that you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, you're right. If we were hiring a lawyer, I might think, you know, I want somebody a little bit more cold-hearted and uh, by the books for our lawyer ink. Oh, Paul, let's not stereotype lawyers like that. Let's you know, lawyers can be anybody from Brett Kavanaugh to Amy Coney Barrett. <laughs> so let's not stereotype <laughs> lawyers like that. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna become a professor or you're gonna be in that sort of world at some point sure you you're you're looking to select a grad student to work with you in your lab you're running a lab now mm-hmm. the grad student comes for their grad student interview wearing a dog hair coat is that the right type of quirky that they're gonna be good at science or is that the wrong type of quirky where they're too outside of the box you just need somebody who's like gonna be kind of a little bit more by the books what what's your thought process for dog hair coat? That's one of those things that I think people would take kindly to. 
And I think during my interview with them, I'd be like, uh, you're a freak, but I like it. <laughs> Wait, you would say it to their face. Yeah, you're like yeah, one of yeah. those cool freaks. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think that that's within the realm. And academia has like a weird thing where like, you know, if you think about it as like a sphere, um, they have acceptability. If you think of academia really- like a balloon expanding, the universe was actually the size of a grapefruit. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. (laughs) If the sun is the size of a pizza, (laughs) uh, if you think of academia as like a kind of multi-dimensional thing of like what's allowed and of of acceptability, it has really high peaks on very specific things, but also like lower peaks on other things. Like um, you will get more flack for interviewing for our program and saying that you don't drink than for interviewing for our program and being like, I don't wear shoes. That's just a thing about me. <laughs> like that's like, that's considered like, a, Oh, you know what an ecologist. And like, they'll, and then if you're just like, yeah, I don't really like to do drink. I don't like to drink or do drugs. People are going to be like, Oh, they don't seem like a lot of fun. <laughs> that person gets ranked lower on the list. Um, so like, yeah, there's just like weird spikes of like acceptability for random things. I could see dog hair vest being on the, on the tier of like, oh, that's that's kind of cool and quirky. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're both on the side of it. Probably should be acceptable, but it's not. So uh, advice wise, it would be don't wear your dog hair coat because unless you're getting weirdos like me and Adrian or some pretty open minded people, it's probably gonna only do you bad. Wear it on your first day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wear it after you get the job, or you know, as always, um, as we've said in our like takes on job interview attire. Maybe this is her selection criteria of like I don't want to work anywhere where this is a big deal for them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So an interview, some you know, you're you're also figuring uh, them out too. Mm-hmm. All right, the little answeruno. Excellent point. You would think the enterprise of the job applicant to design and craft her own clothes from the hair of her pet would have scored major points with the interviewer. Doesn't everyone want somebody on staff who is so resourceful? After all, sustainable is the hot word of the moment, and nothing is more sustainable than keeping warm in a hand-knit dog hair sweater. Still, dog lady can- I can think of things that are more sustainable than that. <laughs> Adrian, what has a lower carbon footprint than a dog hair sweater? Name name anything. You're right. I was bluffing. I yeah. was capping. I, I got nothing. <laughs> no cap is- not just part of the name of this podcast, Adrian. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm writing you up. That's uh, oh no, my permanent record. That's one strike. <laughs> I'm getting a demerit. That's one. <laughs> that's one demerit. Still, dog lady can understand how too much odd information can sometimes kill a deal. Proclaiming to a stranger, sizing you up for a job that has nothing to do with fashion, that your garment was knit from a dog's hair is a bit eccentric. Job interviews should be plain vanilla with flashes of conformist personality. Billionaire Sheryl Sandberg, the Facebook executive who encourages women to lean in, might suggest differently. Then again, she can afford to. Actually, yeah, I basically agree with everything she said. Like, I mean, the first part was about why it should be all right. And the second part was about, but we don't live in that perfect world. So, Mm. I mean, you need to work. You need to work. Don't wear your dog hair sweater. I'm not, I don't know why we didn't ask this before, but so there was confirmation in the original question that it was a job interview for something that had nothing to do with fashion. So this isn't like the, this isn't like the girl from Devil Wears Prada or whatever. Yeah. I mean, even that wouldn't be like, what fashion job would, would that be like a fun first idea is my like dog hair sweater, even a fashion job. I don't know about the only thing I could think of is if you were interviewing. No, I can't. I was about to say PETA, but I'm like, they would hate that. That would be using your dog's labor to create a product for yourself. They would call that like slavery. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's you're taking what, as you've already said, it's kind of like a more antiquated view of like having a dog in vegan and then like turning it up to 10 to like then use your dog's hair to make a sweater out of it. Yeah, yeah. that's exploitation because the money you make from that sweater, what percentage of that's going to your dog? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I really for can't the, think of any organization where this would be like appropriate for for like a underground bdsm goth sex club in la no because I, because they have very strict <laughs> dress codes that say you have to wear all black working or even attending those so i'm, I'm picturing a black dog are you not oh really i was picturing it, it <laughs> that's so crazy i was picturing it the whole, whole time it kind of looked like a fur coat even though it said sweater oh. i was imagining kind of like this like furry type thing i was imagining like a crop top like a very fuzzy crop top you know what? Let's let's Google dog hair sweater to see if there's like a... To see if there's an indie band with that name. There's a whole book on knitting your dog hair. Should we watch a video on this since you were so perplexed by the process? Sometimes it's more interesting to leave something a mystery. We don't need to know how this sausage is made. It looks like you can knit it into just basic, like, cotton-looking stuff. Oh, there is a really adorable picture of a woman uh, with, like, her shibu. It's like an Asian lady, and she's knit, like, a really cool uh, vest with it. I'm watching a uh, Vice documentary right now on making dog hair sweaters. Oh, and it's an old one, too. Dude, I think I might have been flipped on this. All these pictures of people who have done it look awesome. Okay, yeah, this is a woman who's using just a very hairy, like, Labrador retriever. She's washing it and then drying it out. And then you use, like, one of those old-fashioned, like, spindles or whatever to, like, actually make it into thread. That's kind of where I was confused, like, how such small strands would fit into a spindle to combine it into thread. Yeah, no, these are quite long, because this is a long-ass dog. Although, all of the color is lost from it, if she's using the dog that I thought she was using. You know, it actually looks pretty fucking normal once you, like, treat it and get it to the point where, and you process it. It looks like normal fabric. I think you're right. I think I'm sold on this. <laughs> Oh, and confirmation of what I said earlier. She literally just talks about how the allergy thing is that it's the dander. So once you wash the fabric, it's totally fine. I mean, it's it's definitely if I have any critique of it, it's that it's very homemade looking like, you know, how um, uh, Bernie was kind of like critiqued, but then also like uh, people really liked his handmade mittens for the inauguration. Mm -hmm. They're very much like that. Like it has like a very kitschy home style feel to it. But I think that's just because you're making it in your house. But. All right. If you have a dog with really long hair and also are willing to do all the labor and buy all the equipment, send me and Adrian some dog hair sweaters. Folks, get in the comments. All right. You want to move on to your column, Adrian? Nah. All right. So today I am bringing in an article about a pet that is near and dear to my heart. Just for sponsorship reasons, uh, Paul did just take a big swig of Coke Zero. So Coke, if you want some reps. Bitch, you thirsty. Please grab a Coke Zero. That is true. If I were to actually sponsor a Coke product, it would be Coke Zero specifically. Because, you know, we drink a lot of diet drinks in my For family. For me, it would be cocaine. Good. Very good. Very good. Freddie Gibbs, sponsor us. <laughs> uh, whenever my mom, like, talks about Coke Zero, she always calls it Coca Zero, which, <laughs> which I love. Okay, so my article today is about uh, a pet that is near and dear to my heart. A pet that I have. Uh, I have about a million of them. They live in uh, wooden boxes. And so this is an article from Bee Culture, the magazine of American beekeeping. Wait, wait, you were just being jokey, right? There's even you'd have to have like a south, like how many hive? You don't actually have like a million of them all total. You don't have like a thousand hives, do you? Let me do the math. How many per hive usually? Our colonies don't get super big around here. So it's usually around like, let's say 20,000. 
Oh, whoa, that's, I, w- I would have guessed way lower. Like, I was literally thinking about a thousand, so you'd need about a thousand hives. Oh, a thousand's a really small colony. Like, a thousand's yeah. what I would use for an experiment in, like, a two-frame hive. Okay, so you, you a colony's about 20,000, so... No, so even then, like, I only have, like, 15 colonies, like, every year, so that's only about 300,000. Yeah, yeah, okay. And some of those colonies are smaller than others, so... Paul's right, I don't have a million. Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to bench up your... com. Come at me, Snopes. I wasn't trying to bend Shapiro facts and logic here. I was just actually curious. That felt like such a big number. I'm pretty sure at one point when I had like 22 colonies one summer, I probably had around this amount, but um, they're bees. And we're going to talk about beekeeping in this beekeeping advice column from Ask Phil. So this is from Phil. Uh, he is the Kentucky Department of Agriculture's state apiarist from 1999 to 2011. He's a graduate of Oberlin College in Ohio and the University of Kentucky. He's a past president and past chairman of the Heartland Apicultural Society, past program chairman of the Eastern Apicultural Society, and past president of the Apiary Inspectors of America. A native of the mountains of eastern Kentucky, he now lives out in the sticks in the bluegrass region of Kentucky near Lexington with his family, a very old dog, and some beehives. And he's kind of like a um, like a extension beekeeper specialist. So like he goes around doing like personal inspections for bee yards if you want him to do that. And he goes around like giving talks and lectures. Um, so he seems like a cool guy. And this question is from a nature lover in Kentucky. Here's something I wonder. Since honeybees are an invasive species and nature in our part of the world probably did just fine before they came, how long would it take for the other pollinators to fill that biological niche if honeybees all went away? Oh, that's it? That's the whole thing? Okay, let me see if I can answer this based off things you've told me. Um, so that person is completely in the right. They are an invasive species, and the only argument for keeping honeybees around in the Americas is a purely economic one. Um, from a conservation standpoint, they aren't native to the Americas, so uh, conservationists wouldn't say that you should try to like pro- propagate their population uh for like i guess moral reasons or i don't maybe moral isn't the right word but that's that wouldn't be the conservationist's argument it's really the economic argument of you need them to pollinate uh if you need them to pollinate uh like crops for yield right for industry and the question they asked explicitly was how long would it take for natural well i mean but like Crops are also not natural. Are 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 wild honeybees pollinating a lot of like w- wildlife plants? Say that again. Are are wild honeybees like a big deal in the Americas? Like are are wild plants being pollinated by wild honeybees? Are as like natural vegetation? No, no, no. Yeah. So there are no. There's no species of honeybee that is native to the Americas. No, no, no. But I'm saying, is there any? Uh, flora wait flora is there any flora in the americas that's now become dependent on honeybees since they've been falsely introduced to our environment nothing that would be native to the americas so i'm sure there's probably plenty of like imported plants that need honeybees so then the answer is it would take zero time because i mean the only thing that would need them would be like crops and things that have artificially been created by humans so zero time that's the answer to this question, based on things you've told me in my half-remembered mumblings. <laughs> I thought that was actually pretty good. Paul's more of a sponge than I realized. He really um, took on most of what I had to, what I've said about this topic. So very good, very good job, Paul. Very good job being a student. I can see why you were a good student. You get an A plus and a gold star from Adrian. Aw, buddy. 
Yeah, no, Paul's Paul basically has my uh my answer locked down. I think the one thing you stumbled over is yeah, yeah. So like there's no answer from a conservationist standpoint of why honeybees are important. Um, there's no such thing as conservation biology for a non-native species. And so it is a purely economic thing, but also what Paul's saying in terms of how long would it take for other pollinators to fill that biological niche? Yeah, like the niche is not a biological one. It's a it's a human created one, which I guess you could say that humans change the environment and you know that's animals respond to that or whatever but at the end of the day the issue would be producing food at the scale that we produce food currently Mm -hmm. so if we decided honeybees are no longer honeybees are canceled uh hashtag honeybees are over party and we send them all back home we would have to get used to not having certain foods certainly in the quantity that they have them and probably in certain parts of the country not having them at all you know you're telling me i couldn't have my summer oranges oh oranges are hugely dependent on honeybees yeah God damn it. You know, you know, I can't wait for winter to have the in-season oranges. I need that. I need that year round shit. Yeah, yeah. I guess that is the other thing is we we would just become way more reliant on imports from different places, which would make everything more expensive. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, Paul, Paul was pretty, pretty hit. I think he hit the nail on the head as far as I can tell. Um, it's a tough question to ask because it's something that's probably not going to change anytime soon. I think Big Ag is going to stick around. Controversial take from Adrian's why I didn't get one of the fellowships I applied for. <laughs> um <laughs> you, you, you like signed up you, you you put in a grant request for like a fellowship that was like funded by an agricultural i applied for a fellowship that was half funded by costco and i did the interview with people from costco on the interview and my one of my answers to a question about the future of honeybees was very anti-big agriculture and very anti-capitalism and so i got a i got a review back from the people being like oh as the honeybee people we love you but uh costco did not like you <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's the way that cookie crumbles <laughs> that's so tight dude <laughs> i was i should have just been like you know the, the issue is crony capitalism really we just need to put a happier face on capitalism and i'm sure big ag will be fucking dope bro i mean what a, what a nice way to exemplify how like these people will be like oh you can't fund something and make a scientist just give you the results they want but like what a good way to like exemplify how choosing what does and doesn't get funded (laughs) through that system also puts the thumb on the scale in a certain direction oh yeah oh yeah um Um, then again i'm not you know that was that was more of like a personal conviction thing i didn't need and then they were like adrian you have to you have to do an experiment that says smoking is safe for babies (laughs) i was about to say like i don't think any of my research would have really been affected by like the influence of costco but um when they did ask those very general no but they didn't give you the money because you would have you would have not they're only going to give the money to people who they know won't hurt their business model that's true and you know what i say this with absolutely no hate towards costco oh yeah well, well, <laughs> this is not going to stop me from getting that korean beef jerky that korean pork beef jerky they sell there that is so delicious um, it's not going to stop me from getting a nathan's hot dog whenever i go up there <laughs> god costco is so good dude they have so many things i love shout out to costco i'm, shout out I'm to costco i always thought we were more sam's club boys but oh no Come on. We grew up. We didn't have a Costco, man. That was our Costco. That was a problem. You didn't like the $2 slice of pizza that was like the size of like an actual pizza. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, yeah, I I didn't become a Costco guy till recently till I had more access to it. Growing up, I only knew about Sam's Club. Those were dark days. Those were dark days. Actually, I think I had a lot of fun weekends going to like Costco with my mom whenever they did the samples and stuff. Uh, Well, that my my memory of that from a child was Sam's Club. And yeah, it was it's just really uh, 
there's something about being a child. Free samples are like the shit. Mm-hmm. Like you get to try a bunch, a little bit of a bunch of different things. That's like the perfect meal for like a child's over, like hyperly overactive desire. I don't know. That is that is true. Yeah, it was a struggle meal for us. Is that's why our mom would take us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just sad. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mama, mama, Perez. <laughs> mama, Perez. I'm Why lacking the diversity of nutrients. I need to go to Sam's Club to get part of a corn dog and part of a roast beef sandwich. I'm a, I'm a so hungry. I'm an Italian Adrian and I'm a so hungry. Mama, Papa, me a stomago. She cries in the night. <laughs> Adrian, just drink your coca zero. Drink your coca zero. Your coca zero. No, no, that does no. sound like an Italian pronunciation more than a Spanish like Cocavero. If anything, Child Adrian was too well fed. He still is. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. Um, okay. Uh, oh yeah. So I don't know how much I want to say before going into his answer. I, I, I don't know. I've had like interesting talks with my advisor about this, about how you know the way some people talk about this is like kind of impractical. We're not going to go back to like a medieval france thing where everybody has their own local garden in their backyard that mostly sustains their family like we're, we're definitely past like whatever tipping point there is for the way we produce food currently and um yeah maybe that's important because you know it's it's kind of like the thing of um people being really anti-factory farming but there is also that nuance and side point of like it's been very important for supplementing the diets of people who can't afford high quality you know food and organic local stuff to have easily I was gonna say, food. what about what about like i mean so it sounds like you've put some thought into this no 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 i have no thought into anything oh i was gonna say uh, what are neighborhood gardens are neighborhood gardens sustainable and is that more sustainable than a family each family having their own garden is there like or is the bigger always the better for getting as many people as possible as much like high caloric high caloric food yeah uh, well that's not yeah that's not something that i've really put too much thought into uh, to be honest, I think they're a good idea. Uh, I don't know. At this point, it's just one of those weird things where like a lot of community gardens are kind of more performative than anything else. Like a lot of the food there just goes to waste anyways. Um, cause no one really, that's needs true. Food. But I always thought the idea was to like, you know, it's like the same way that you, like the first electric car isn't necessarily going to have a smaller footprint than a mm-hmm. gas car. But the idea is like, you got to start somewhere to perfect the idea yeah. for it to be like, it's like maybe community gardens aren't now, but the idea is like if we get good at it and it becomes something everybody does, then it can make a dent. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and I think that that makes sense. And I, it's one of those things that's like it's so well, as I've always said, I don't think a lack of imagination should stop us from doing what's probably the right thing. So I don't think my inability to like conceive how this would look like in the future and how it would progress should mean that we shouldn't do that. Um, I'm just saying I'm not the person who has that vision, but Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of, in terms of, like, getting honeybees out of the country, I don't know if I'd want to go through all the stricter protocols of having, like, an animal that I can't let out into the environment, but I I definitely uh, have a bias here. (laughs) What a niche, what a niche selfish reason. (laughs) Well, all I'm saying is, I, I, my bias here is not super pro honeybee. My bias is, like, I think honeybees are cool from a, like, evolutionary standpoint, not a like I'm going to go around telling people that save the bees means save honeybees. Cause that's clearly not what it means. It's talking about local native pollinators, but I'm not anti, but you know, um, yeah. So I think people would expect me to be very pro honeybee, but really I just think of them as cool things to study. And, um, 
uh, yeah, my bias here is not towards like they're an invasive species. No, they're not. They're non-native, but not necessarily invasive. Invasive means they're having a harmful impact. And it's like, yeah, look at the research. They clearly are. Are you jealous of people in other fields that don't have to worry about these sort of problems? Like, I imagine, like, Adam doesn't have to worry about the electron being outlawed anytime soon or anything like that. <laughs> Not until Trump runs in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> these valence electrons! These valence electrons! They're by themselves on the outermost shell of their orbital! What is this? They're so negative, they never say anything positive about me. <laughs> electrons elect offs, people. That's what I always say. Is that is that good? You know? I, have, I think that's the worst thing we've ever done, but I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's look at the answer. Let's see what let's see what Phil has to say. I don't know. Oh, g- can I ask you one final thing? Uh, and yeah. it might not be interesting. It might get cut. But do you have anything you would consider a in the in the beekeeping community, not the scientific community, but people who keep bees, including amateurs and hobbyists? Do you have a beekeeping hot? Do you have a beekeeping hot take? something that or is there something that segments the community into two parts where some people are like oh you need to beekeep by doing this and some people say you need to beekeep by doing this and you feel like firmly in one camp versus the other don't be afraid to read a research paper instead of just beekeeping for a year and coming up with your own anecdotal evidence of what works you know (laughs) maybe talk to some more experienced people r slash bees over (laughs) r slash bees is over party (laughs) No, no, no. I love r slash beekeeping. The folks over there are really nice. And I love that it's a safe haven on Reddit where everything that has to do with bees, the most top, like highly, com- uh, highly rated comment isn't just someone who makes a bee pun. So just for that, r <laughs> Wait, slash it, beekeeping. Are you being ironic? Is it somebody who makes a bee pun or do they actually like? No, no, no. Uh, it's only on anything that's like an R all whenever there's a bee yeah. thing in it. Like the, the, the number one comment every single time is whoever is the first one to say, well, that's unbelievable. I hate Reddit so much. It bugs me yeah, out. I hate people so much. We we need to we need to do a special episode where all we do is just read through r slash stand up shots and react to those <laughs> jokes. That, which, by the way, for the audience' sake, is one of me and Adrian's favorite hobbies to just yeah <laughs> read through r slash stand up shots and figure out what they even meant. Those people are oh my god. I guess you know glass houses throwing stones like yeah yeah. Somebody could call us not funny, but uh, oh boy. Some have. Over at Podcast Radio, we're not funny. We're not educational. <laughs> what are the other ones that you're allowed to be? All right. So this is definitely an answer that I'm going to have to read and edit later because it is a long one, but maybe we'll have some interesting thoughts about this. Um, so here's the answer from Mr. Phil. Answer. That is an interesting question. And my short answer, as it pertains to the natural world, is not long. To begin with, though honeybees are not indigenous to the Americas, I would refer to them as non-native rather than invasive. Paul, did you catch that? Sorry. No, go ahead. To begin with, though honeybees are not indigenous to the Americas, I would refer to them as non-native rather than invasive. Okay. Literally just called my home run there earlier by saying that that's what people do sometimes. Damn. Whenever they're more pro-honeybee, yeah. What's the difference? I found the following U.S. Department of Agriculture definition at a Nature Conservancy webpage. An alien or non-native species whose introduction does or is likely to cause economic or environmental harm or harm to human health. Relationships among organisms in an ecosystem are complicated and never completely understood, but over the last few centuries, honeybees have become a well-integrated part of our biological landscape. Though some argue that they pollinate invasive plant species, which native pollinators ignore, and rob nectar from some native plants without effectively pollinating them, they have not displaced native bees. 
Yeah, that's also kind of a bullshit argument. Like the 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 data clearly show that like they're outcompeting native bees, and they're a huge problem for them. Just because just because of the fact that they haven't completely annihilated native bees does not mean that they're not an issue. <laughs> but let's keep going. We hear much discussion these days about threats to native pollinators from habitat loss, monoculture crops, and pesticides. But competition from honeybees is not on the list. Moreover, they are the primary or only pollinators of many agricultural products which enrich our diet. Most people would agree that their net impact on our environment is beneficial. That's a very human-centric definition of <laughs> beneficial impact on the environment. I don't want to get roasted by Phil, so I don't know how much I want to go after him, but uh, I'm just giving my comments as they come. Paul, anything is is, is he say? really powerful in the beekeeping community? Is this like one of those things where questioning Phil is like a real way to get on the on the wrong side of the beekeeper Illuminati? It's not going to put me in a position where I'm unable to get an academic job. It's going to make like local beekeepers not like me. Mm, so he is popular like you know him i don't know him he seems to me like a kind of randy oliver type um and randy oliver is i think is does a better job than phil does so far at answering questions but um i think that's the guy's name i might be talking about who's the guy that um debunks magicians and who's the guy that does scientific beekeeping hold on i thought the guy who debunks magicians was just the masked magician on abc at- <laughs> <laughs> have you watched that i, I did as a kid I watched that like two years ago, whenever it went on like Netflix or something. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, yeah, no, Randy Oliver is the guy who does scientific beekeeping. I think he's actually pretty, he's pretty good. James Randy, James Randy's the guy who debugs uh, magicians and stuff. Okay, so now that we got that sorted out, let's keep going. In considering the effect of a loss of honeybees in our natural landscape, we have two historical examples to judge from. First, as you note, they are not native to this part of the world, and there was a thriving ecosystem here before they were a part of it. A more recent demonstration occurred in the late 1980s when varroa and tracheal mites first made their appearance in this country. They attacked both the bees in our apiaries and those in the wild, feral, or as I prefer to call them, unmanaged colonies, with devastating results. Um, Yeah, that's cool. So he's getting into another debate about beekeeping that I think is really dumb, which is whether or not honeybees are domesticated or not. I gave a presentation to some students where I mentioned that, and for some reason they found it very interesting, and I was like, I don't know, man, it's a semantic argument. I don't think it really matters. Yeah, this is a long answer. Hold on, let me just read this and see if any of this matters. Ah, keep reading it. Keep reading it. In those days, anyone interested in becoming a beekeeper could just spread the word to his neighbor or call if they saw a swarm. Unmanaged colonies were so plentiful that it never took long to find one. After the mite invasions, this method of acquiring bees disappeared from beekeeping manuals. People my age who grew up in rural or suburban areas in the decades before mites remember not being able to run across the yard without the risk of being stung by a honeybee working the clover among the grass. Few of us wore shoes in the summertime back then. The bees that stung us in those days were mostly from wild colonies. Nowadays, it's rare to see a honeybee in a yard or garden. What is this old man story? Like, back in my day, it was the style of the time to wear an onion on your belt. Like, (laughs) what's funny is that I actually really identify with this because I've definitely had, like, whenever I travel and I take a lot of Ubers and I, like... You know, whenever I was somewhere for a conference and I told my Uber driver I was there for a bee conference. Um, yeah, I think the first thing he said was, you know, back when I was a kid, I feel like when I was in the summer, I saw bees everywhere. And nowadays it just seems like they aren't around. Well, can I ask you what race the person whose voice he just did was? He was an old white guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a little Asian woman, Paul. You piece <laughs> of shit. He said, there are, you know, it's that about bees. And also there are two type of black people. <laughs> 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 if you're a father you only got one job and that's to keep your daughter off the pole <laughs> that's what he said after one day we need to d- watch and do a review of all of steve harvey's uh stand-up <laughs> 
Uh, now, okay, yes. Yeah, so some beekeepers feel that we are seeing more bees in trees recently and speculate that they house wild colonies which have developed some varroa resistance. I am not convinced. Well, then read Tom Seeley's work, because that's basically what he was saying. Commercial agriculture is a completely different story. Two, two paragraphs left. Commercial agriculture is a completely different story. Almonds, apples, melons, cranberries, and many others would not be productive without a large number of honeybees to pollinate them. Modern American agriculture has achieved remarkable efficiency by cultivating thousands of acres of single crops. It is impossible for native species to pollinate crops such as almonds, which bloom only for a few weeks when nothing but almond trees grow for miles around, and there is no other food source to sustain these bees throughout the rest of the year. Only honeybees, which live in large colonies, adapt to man-made hives, and can be transported by tractor-trailer load are capable of pollinating today's monoculture crops. That doesn't mean that we would starve without them. Grains such as wheat, rice, corn, and oats are all pollinated by wind. Many crops self-pollinate, like beans, peas, and tomatoes. Others are important to us, not for their fruit, but for their leaves, roots, or flowers, all of which are produced whether or not the plant is pollinated. Think lettuce, spinach, potatoes, carrots, and broccoli. If honeybees were to disappear, some of our favorite foods would be less available and much more expensive, but we would not go hungry. Surprisingly, there's a lot of overlap in our answers so far. I'm about to read the last paragraph, but any comments on that? Basically the same thing about, like, you know, we'd lose a lot of diversity in the food that we eat. I think uh, when bee, when people who are pro bee talk or pro honeybee talk about this, they uh, talk about all the color you're going to lose from your plate because you're just going to have like grains and potatoes. We have a sign like that in our honeybee garden where like it takes you through a day of what you'll eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner with honeybees and then what you would have to eat if you didn't have honeybees around. We really, we really push the pro honeybee propaganda. However, I do not think we need to worry about honeybees going away. Though beekeepers continue to lose too many colonies each year, they also continue to replace their losses by dividing colonies and making nukes. We have always done this. According to the USDA Agricultural Statistics Services, the number of managed colonies has actually risen in recent years. Not a great deal, but definitely not a decrease. That doesn't mean that life is easy for beekeepers, whereas I do not worry about the extinction of honeybees, I do worry about the future of beekeepers, especially commercial apiaries. While colony losses continue in the 40% range every year, it's difficult for large beekeepers to stay in business. Without them, the beekeeping supply companies would be in trouble, and that would affect small beekeepers as well. <laughs> what a, would it, I mean, wouldn't it just be good for small beekeepers? <laughs> If they were the only game in town. Yeah, I don't know what that argument is. I guess that like that there would be things that aren't offered because they can't offer them at scale or the prices would be different because they can't sell it as often. I don't really know. It's a weird argument here to be like, I feel yeah, bad I for the commercial beekeepers. It seems like what a weird point to be like, nothing about this question said, please simp for large beekeeping, <laughs> commercial beekeepers. And he was like, let me take the opportunity to do so anyway. Without them, the beekeeping supply companies would be in trouble and that would affect small beekeepers as well. I also worry about native pollinator species. Native bees, butterflies, etc. are threatened by some of the same factors which are stressing honeybees, habitat loss, monoculture crops, and pesticides. He's doing this weird thing where he never explicitly says anything bad about, well, he, he implicates monoculture crops as an issue, but then lionizes them in his earlier paragraphs about how modern agriculture has been able to give us food at quantities that we never thought could exist, which is a weird like duality to not like make a, an explicit statement on about like... Hmm. Monocultures have done this, but they're clearly not good for the bees. The question is not whether native pollinators can replace honeybees in nature, but what can we do about the loss of native pollinators? No, no, the question is what they asked. If you want to answer something else, feel free, <laughs> but don't, don't just tell them that that's not the question they asked. Maybe they were just interested from like, uh, you know, just a curiosity perspective, like, uh, you're, you're really adding a lot to what they said. The question is not whether or not you should make a sweater vest out of your dog's hair. It's more about why you thought you could pull that off. You don't have the body shape for it. <laughs>
Yeah, I don't know, Paul. There was a lot of actually, I would say in terms of writing, it was very well written in that he didn't use a lot of jargon or anything. I don't think there's anything in there that was like too cryptic for you to figure out what it meant. But it was also very boring. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really sure what his point really is. It seemed like he was really worried about I don't know. It seemed like it really felt more like a propaganda piece uh, than anything, which it didn't feel like anything he said was unfair, but it felt like he had a point of view and knowing what you said are the things that he seemed to be purposefully leaving out or not expanding on. It seemed like a propaganda piece from somebody who really wants be a honeybee colonies to be a part of like the American like ecosystem of making money and agriculture moving forward, which is like fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't even know if I like stand against that, like, but like, instead of just being like, hey, the pro is we have this, like, I don't know, it just didn't feel like an honest argument. It felt like a, a propaganda argument. Yeah, it's interesting, because it's the one article that I found from him. I thought it'd be the most interesting to talk about. So that's why I picked it. But it's the one question that wasn't actually from a beekeeper. This is from a nature lover, right? And so he doesn't get to start with the premise being, I'm already pro honeybee. Can you answer my question about how to like do this during the winter? How to set up my colony for this? It's someone who's just in the general public. So he has to like really push that honey honeybee propaganda hard. Uh, since it's not someone who he knows for sure is already on board. Mm. Anything else you want to end this on, Adrian? Anything? Uh, you know, a lot of people, this is a pet episode. A lot of people often talk about like, their dogs and how they changed their lives and how much they loved them do you love all your bees no do you love any of your bees yeah i really like whenever i find an immature drone on a comb which is a male bee uh, i'll usually pluck them off and just like hang out with them for the day so really that's cute yeah yeah so they're too young to fly and they don't have a stinger so you just get to like have a bee that like likes crawling on your hand and whenever they first come out of the comb they're always really fuzzy like they lose their hair as they grow as i'm sure mm. you know no I didn't know that. Oh, no, I meant I thought you could relate. (laughs) (laughs) Me sitting there with one of your immature drones shedding a tear. (laughs) We all have to grow up one day, little buddy. But yeah, so when they first come out is when they're at their fuzziest and when they're at their cutest. And so you just like pick up a big old barrel boyed, big eyed boy. And like, you know, whenever I go back inside, once I'm done beekeeping, I'll just let him like crawl on my hand while I'm doing work on my computer and stuff. And I I really like those guys. That's the cutest goddamn thing I've ever heard. I love that. Yeah. You know, not too big on the female honeybees and more on my boys, my fellas, my kings. (laughs) Um, All my questions have been answered about beekeeping. Do you want to move on to our third segment? Yeah, dude. Let's get into it. Let's get into the real um, meat of the episode, I think. Yeah, this time we we have a uh, we finally we're bring it, audience audience demanded it. Cue the intro. It's a topical tip, just the tip. So we're doing another topical tip. We're back into it, baby. Now that Biden's back, we got all trivial news. Nothing big going on in the world anymore. All the big problems are solved. So we get to talk about little kerfuffles, little misadventures from the Biden campaign. Well, not campaign, the Biden administration. So this is that we're covering right now about pets. We're going to follow the saga of Joe Biden's dog, 
Major. If you don't know Major, he's a he's a good looking pup. He has the honor of being the first mixed. No, what is it? Mutt? The first mutt to ever be a White House dog. Um, all the others have been purebreeds. And he got into a little bit of hot water, got into a little bit of trouble. Essentially, what happened is Joe Biden moves in. He brings his dogs with him. Uh, white liberals rejoice about the fact that we have dogs in the White House again. Paul, any comments on that? I hate it. It's obnoxious. So Joe Biden brought his dogs, Major and Sergeant, to the White House. People rejoiced until Major made a major mistake. Uh, apparently, he was being a bit aggressive towards a White House security staffer and bit that staffer. And so originally, the BBC reported that due to this incident, Major was sent away back home to their house in Delaware. And so this is the update article in which Joe Biden has expressed a few things. So uh, one, he said that Major has gone through some behavioral training. Two, he denied that Major was sent home because of the incident and instead said that it was because of a pre-planned trip to accommodate uh, Dr. Jill Biden's schedule of her going back home and uh, Joe Biden leaving the White House for a few days. So it had nothing to do with the biting incident, despite the fact that it directly coincided with that incident. The third thing he says is that even though he did bite a staffer, and that is true, he did not penetrate the skin. <laughs> Joe Biden then followed up by saying he's a sweet dog. 85% of the people at the White House love him. All he does is lick them and wag his tail. 85% does not seem high enough to make that <laughs> statement. I, if, if you work somewhere and 50% of people think something you're doing is a menace to the workplace, that's not a comforting number. And so then the BBC reports about an incident in which Barack Obama's dog uh, bit uh, a, a young child or something. Uh, and then something about some of the other presidential pets getting some hot water. But... Paul, I just wanted to know how you, if you had any advice for Joe Biden, any advice for Major as he tries to reconcile from what he did, grow as a person, show that he matured, and that he deserves his place back in the White House. He does not deserve to stay canceled forever. He's learned his lesson, and he's a good boy. Do you think it's a good life to be a dog in the White House? It seems like a real human-centric spot. I think it's a good uh, life to be a dog anywhere that's like uh, that's true. relatively well off. That's true. And I guess it also has the benefit of a lot of people to play with mm -hmm. um, and bite. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I, I see what you mean. Um, oh, I don't know why I kept calling him Sergeant. The other dog's called Champ. I just kind Champ. of like guessed what, to be, totally, to be totally honest, if Joe Biden got a third dog, I'm pretty sure his name would be Sergeant. So I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> if not literally Old Glory or whatever corny shit Joe Biden comes up with. <laughs> old Glory. <laughs> We call him Glore for short. <laughs> okay, Jack. <laughs> yeah, no. So advice for a major. So I think what when I when I brought this up to Paul, I, I think what I loved about it is just like how much it mirrors a cancellation arc of like something comes out <laughs> about Joe Biden's dog doing something bad. He goes away for a while and then makes a comeback. Someone who's defending him says 85% of people love him and all he does is good stuff. Not only that, but he tries to like, like, brush under the rug the whole thing, like, of, like minimize what happened by yeah. saying like he didn't break the skid. And then he also said that his original like ducking out for a while. Oh, that had nothing to do with that. That was like pre-planned. He he had that trip to Aruba planned already. You know that wasn't him <laughs> trying to get out of the public eye. It, it's just so it's so perfectly like 
like if there's a um what is it the like hero's journey like if there's a cancellation journey for some reason major just completed every single step perfectly and i just absolutely love it it's i love it like that yeah that is very true i didn't even think about that it's that the, the he didn't penetrate the skin is definitely the well he asked you know i mean yes technically they worked for him but you know he always asked for permission before he pulled out his penis <laughs> they so um yeah, I, I mean, my advice for Joe Biden would be like he needs to he needs to stop letting the story evolve so much because that definitely keeps it in the news longer. Which I mean, it's it's Joe Biden. The media is pretty excited he's president. Mm-hmm. As am I, happy to not have Trump in the office anymore. But the media is clearly going to like play softball with you. Just tell the truth. You you keep these things in the news way too long by lying about them the first time. Like the same thing with the time he broke his foot because Champ ran into the bathroom and he lied by saying, oh, I was playing with my dog. And then Mm -hmm. it like slowly came out like, oh, well, you actually fell in the bathroom. And, you know, like his whole like evolving lie narrative thing. Yeah. Uh, And with this, I think it was the same thing where if he'd said he bit he bit somebody. So we're we're sending him to get some training. He'll be back in the White House after he's like, who's that going to offend? People would be like, oh, yeah, that's what you do. If a dog bites someone and you have the money to you know if you have the money to retrain them instead of have to like yeah i totally forgot that's also part of the cancellation arc is the fact that when he was in delaware ducking out from the public eye he received training so he could go through some personal growth about learning how to not bite people (laughs) but exactly a lot of people when when they bite a human their dog like you you know like your apartment or your like hoa won't let you have that dog anymore and a lot of times they get like sent to like uh they get sent to uh what do you call it shelters or something Mm -hmm. or you can't or at least they have to go to a different family because you can't keep them in that same apartment building or whatever you have the means like they're clearly gonna they can be like you have the means to pay for them to go get training and come back (laughs) so you know i don't know why he didn't just say that in the first place it's kind of weird that joe biden just always his first instinct is to lie about these things (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's not a uniquely Joe Biden thing, but it is It is funny how often he gets caught doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think there was a thing recently, right, where the mayor of Detroit or somewhere refused the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, mm. because the efficacy rate isn't as high as the other vaccines. And then when people pointed out why that's a bullshit reason not to take it, he backtracked and was like, oh, no, it's just because we had enough of the Moderna and Pfizer, but now we're happy to take the Johnson & Johnson one. It's like, just admit you were wrong. Like, just, just say, like, I, I did an oopsie. I fucked up a little bit. Why he did it? I don't know. Lying about your dog biting someone. Just like... Say, oh yeah, he bit someone for sending him to training. Why 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 do you open yourself up to this becoming a two week news story? Yeah, it's um it's obviously not as pernicious as the Trump uh inauguration crowd size lie, but it does yeah. have that same ring of like, why why? Why lie? Why lie on this one? Just like Yeah. It's such a non it's such a non big deal. Some of them are bigger though. I mean the the whatever yeah let's not get political i was gonna bring up the kids in cages saying mm. and whether no no, not, no, no, like, no 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 yeah let's let's stick with this where there was no reason yeah. to no reason to lie at all no reason to, to to save face with who i think champ actually is a pure breed dog because i think it's major specifically who's the first mutt to be in the office and again just i love that narrative of like part of the implicit defense of the person being canceled in this case the dog is it's the it's the it's the it's a represent it's representation it's the first mutt we've had in, in the white house how are you gonna cancel that oh no it's not the first mutt i was i just want to clear that up really quick it's the first rescue dog ever to be in the white house 
Okay. So again, just painting that like weird narrative for like why is that information necessary? <laughs> but yeah, if I was a uh, if I was if I was major, I'd be pretty scared knowing Biden's past opinions on uh, prison reform and uh, incarceration. <laughs> I would be worried that I was going to be put away for a long time over this one. Yeah, yeah. What I'm Biden so- has done? Why did Joe Biden not go out to that press conference, put on his shades, and say, "I guess my dog's a super predator." <laughs> 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 now how how do you think i i was trying to look for it i haven't seen any really negative articles about it like even fox news was pretty much taking the same tone as all the other articles which is like this is an interest piece yeah, worth well, reporting on when it comes to the two parties they both serve capital and corporate interests but they also bo- both serve the american love for dogs <laughs> but what I'm saying is, if you really wanted to take a harsh Republican standpoint on this, what would what would be your what? How would you write the uh, article if you wanted so to be really? You're saying harsh that if I Joe wanted Biden? to do a Tucker Carlson, where like my analysis of Joe Biden's marriage is that it was a political ploy for him to pretend to be happily married for all these years just to make Trump look bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me try and get <laughs> how, him. How, how do you twist this dog thing? All right, to let me get into my Joe let me get into my Tucker Carlson, just biggest idiot in the world bag. Hold on. <laughs> oh, you can't do a Tucker Carlson over audio. You need you need the, the videos visuals so you can do of that me like showing, face. yeah, like how confused I am. Um, okay, so how would I spin this article as like an internet Fox News trying to like hit, write a hit piece? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Here, because because he's the uh, because he's the first. Uh, Rescue because dog. he's the first rescue dog. Tucker Carlson's headline, like the banner at the b- bottom, would be "Welfare dog runs amok attacking <laughs> hero cop." Welfare king dog. <laughs> Welfare dog runs amok in White House attacking hero cop. <laughs> and then Tucker's and then Tucker's take on it would be audibly like with that headline below him would be "We're we're paying taxes to feed and house this criminal dog." <laughs> Our taxes are going towards not the generic stuff we're paying for that name brand blue chow they are buying blue chow for that dog and he is running through the white house and believe it or not joe biden has trained him to hone in on army generals our our military our and our boys in blue and attack them i guess what i'm saying is joe biden's dog if Trump's dog had done any of what Major has done in Joe Biden's first 100 days in the presidency, the media would never stop talking about it. And yet, I haven't seen anything in any kind of media, just in the BBC and other major news networks, about what Joe Biden's dog has done. And I think what you have to ask yourself is, where does this stop? And what's next? I'm just asking questions. But if a president can't train his own dog, how do you expect him to bomb Syria correctly? <laughs> Uh, Joe Biden doesn't have a problem doing that. <laughs> he did that perfectly fine. Um, he doesn't have a problem getting the media to play softball with that one too, and be like, "Ah, this is one of those good bombings." <laughs> this is what, what was it? The Washington Post ran an article that was um that was Biden was planning second bombing, but after intel of a of a woman and child being present at the location, he pulled off and did it. Do it, and it's like, are are you children? You really believe like? Like, what What else could the military tell you and you would be like, oh, so there was a second bombing, but he was too noble to do it? Okay, interesting, interesting. Let me report on that. Very judicious. Anything else about this topical tip, Paul? Have you seen the Twitter account of people- Oh, Joe Biden's dogs. 
Joe Biden's dogs, have you seen the reaction to uh, what what they posted about this? I don't know the reaction, but anybody who's able to write from the perspective of a dog in the way that like white people do is sick. Yeah, yeah, that's I couldn't think of the right best word to use. But yeah, that's about that's about it. Yeah, no, I think Paul and I are in agreement. This dog should be um, sentenced to the death penalty and should not be allowed to make a comeback into regular society. Clearly, they're not fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would tend to agree with that. Why aren't there any presidents with like cool pets, like a snake? What if we did have a snake guy as president? What else do snake guys do? They like metal music. Yeah. They they like weed. They like their Ooh, snake. their inauguration is going to be fucking lit. There's not going to be like um whatever like boring high school cheer squad did Trump's inauguration. It's going to be like fucking metal, bro. Paul, what else? What do you think are in in descending order? Can we like rank what we think the most likely firsts for presidents is going to be? Hmm. I think I think we'll definitely have a female president before we have a uh, Jewish president. <laughs> before we have a uh, before we have a snake guy president. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. Well, I think this would work better in question format. So I'll come up with two different people, and you tell me who you think what type of guy would be president first. Mm. It has to be person. a guy, yeah. Okay, do you, who do you think we're going to have first? Our first uh, atheist president or our first gamer president? <laughs> that feels like it could really be one person. <laughs> um, I think we're more likely to have a, uh, I think we're really likely to have a gamer president soon. I feel like we're going to have a Yang I mean, AOC dude. technically doing that stuff on Twitch. Yeah, okay. Uh, do you think we're more likely to have a president that is a weeb or a president that had a gay dream once? <laughs> a gay dream yeah yeah he had a dream where he fucked a guy once but, and he's told the media about this yeah yeah yeah. he didn't come out as gay <laughs> but he was like yeah i've had dreams before where i fucked a dude so it's like it's like when obama said like or no wait who clinton was the first person to do the whole like i i've 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 had a couple puffs uh, but i haven't smart. inhaled yeah, yeah. like he was the first oh, the first to be like i didn't inhale god there's that's yeah so yeah awesome. yeah uh, but this this one is he admits to the media that he they're like so what is your sexual orientation he's like I've had a gay dream but I, I want to be very clear to the American people but I didn't inhale I had a gay dream but I have been married to the same woman since I was eighteen uh, I think we're more likely to have uh, what was your other one you put a up weeb. against I think we're more likely to have a weed president really? I really feel like culture I think culture is heading that direction I think we're gonna have an atheist weeb gamer in like Oof. in like twenty. In like 2032. And I'm going to flee the country when they try and make Minecraft mandatory for all citizens. <laughs> all right, Paul, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Big fact, no cap. We've learned a lot today. We've talked about a lot today. It's been a, it's been an interesting episode. Yeah, I think my big fact is uh, snake guys are really underrated as a cool type of dude. Find a snake guy and befriend him. And my no cap is... um. If a dog bites you, bite back. It's the only way they learn. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> uh, all right, Paul. It's been a good time. It's been a fun time. I'll see you later. It has been. Bye, buddy. Bye, dude. Holy smoke, land sakes alive. I never thought this could happen to me. Yeah. I got a strong but sweet honey bee. Oh, what a feeling to hum over me. It started in my eyes, crept up to my head, polluted my heart. The love was stung, did I'm done? I got stung. Yeah. Yeah. She had all that I wanted and more. 
And I've seen honey bees before She started buzzing in my ear My eyes and in my brain got stuck Stop. 